0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer alongside Matt Eddy. We are just over a week into summer camps. Players are back on the field. Uh, It's an exciting time for a lot of people around the game. Uh, There's also been a lot of testing snafus. However, there have been a couple of players who have tested positive for COVID-19. A lot of other players who are being held out for undisclosed reasons, but the overall suspicion is they're at least related to COVID-19. So there are still some things to work out here as we move toward opening day. That said, baseball's going, full steam ahead toward opening day. Matt, every year we see players get injured, prospects come up, take advantage of the playing time, and kind of bust out on their own. This year, that dynamic is even more prevalent just because you have so many players who are testing positive for COVID-19. And we're also going to have injury experts suspect a lot of soft tissue injuries for position players the first couple of weeks of the season, just because they're not fully built up and pitchers as well are not going to be fully built up starters in particular. So there's a lot of concern about their arms and how many innings they're really going to be able to handle. When you look at this upcoming season and just kind of the increased injury risk or increased injured list
1: time, how do you kind of assess everything and, and where the game stands in that regard? Yeah, I think there's a couple factors. I think You know, for for one thing, there will be 30 man rosters to start the season. Um, And that coupled with some of the new uh, operating procedures the teams will be using, you know, regarding limited access to the trainer's room, um, you know, draining the whirlpool after each individual use. Factors like that, I think, are going to create opportunities for young players, um, prospects, rookies, other unestablished players. Um, So I think, in terms of that, I think we're going to see. especially early, a little less impact from veterans and more from the younger crowd?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of teams I look at that I just kind of, obviously you never, ever, ever want anyone to get hurt. But two teams that jump out to me as as teams where maybe young players could make an extra impact this year, at least among teams that expect to contend, are the Yankees and the Angels. Um, The Yankees last year, we saw their entire team really get eviscerated by injuries. Aaron Judge has missed significant parts of the last two seasons, and he's dealt with a fractured rib he suffered at the end of last year, but uh, was not fully dealt with until this spring. Giancarlo Stanton obviously has a history of injuries, uh, including most recently a calf strain. So again, I think you look at guys like that who you know have a history of, of strains and pulls. Although again, Judge's most recent injury was was not a strain or a pull. Um, and then the Angels as well, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like Justin Upton and Albert Pujols, again, older players who have had trouble staying healthy the last couple of years, at least for full seasons. Uh, Mike Trout as well. I mean, he's obviously an incredible player, but he has missed uh, parts of last two seasons, really parts last three seasons with injuries as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And those are two teams that jump out to me just for having, you know, some key players who, who have history of injuries.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, And are you targeting any young players with those the Yankees or Angels because of that?
0: I think with the Angels, you look at a top prospect like Joe Adele, and that leads us into our top 20 rookies for the upcoming season. As we mentioned, whether it's Upton or if if Trout were to get hurt, Adele's ready, he's healthy. The Angels have had a group of players that they've had to hold out of camp so far, including their number two prospect, Brandon Marsh. Again, there's been no confirmation about why he's out. But Adele so far has stayed healthy. And this is someone I really, really look forward to stepping up. And if those injuries happen, or if something happens where players have to take some time off, I think he's in prime position. And then the Yankees, you know, we saw it last year, Mike Talkman really step up. And I always am kind of waiting for the, the Clint Frazier breakout, if you will, a little bit. A very, very talented player. He's dealing with some injuries as well. Plantar fasciitis is the most recent one. So, Again, health is first and foremost, but but those are two guys I kind of look at. And, and Frazier did perform okay last year when he got playing time. I mean, 806 OPS, 12 homers in, in just under 70 games. He did some good things.
1: Yeah, I would throw Clark Schmidt in there for the Yankees, their number two prospect who obviously had a, a, a very promising summer camp debut. Uh, he's got the stuff, the SEC pedigree. Uh, he really impressed some people, uh, pro scouts last year.
0: Yeah, and as we know, Luis Severino's out after having Tommy John surgery. James Paxton is recovering from back surgery. So there certainly could be some opportunities in the Yankees' rotation. Matt, when you look at these top 20 rookies, you know, we put this out before the season, back in early March, 10 days before everything was shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic. Are there any changes for you? Because I look at, we had Gavin Lux, number one, and Jesus Lazardo number two. Luzardo has confirmed to have tested positive for COVID-19. Lux has been held out of Dodgers camp so far. How does this dynamic just change everything for you about who the top rookies are going to be that can actually produce this year?
1: Yeah, um, I think the shorter season does benefit some of these guys, particularly the pitchers. Uh, I would look a lot more closely at uh, Mackenzie Gore of the Padres, who looks like he's going to make his major league debut this year, and uh, Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays. Uh, and Luzardo, too, assuming he recovers his health. I think those are, are the three guys who could make a lot more noise than we probably would have projected preseason.
0: There are other guys on here who have been held out or tested positive as well. Jose Arquiti and Tony Gonslitter guys who, who have been held out so far. Bobby Dahlbeck, who we added our 10 more rookies to no list, has also been held out. So there's definitely that dynamic here that's in play. Carter Keboom, Davey Martinez came out and said he will be their starting third baseman. Having that guaranteed spot is going to be big for him. I do look at Brendan McKay as well. You mentioned these pitchers. I mean, Brendan McKay you know, got up to the majors last year, showed some good things, showed some other things that need some work, but he's someone that I think we could see settle in. The Rays have a very, very deep rotation. We also know they're going to use all their guys. They're going to find creative ways to get guys in. I think that's a guy we can look at that maybe before the year, we're not sure where he was going to fit in a rookie of the year race. And I think he has a chance to, to play a bigger role now. And you mentioned Nate Pearson and I'll add, you know, left-handed flamethrower and AJ puck as well. Um, You know, the A's have a really good rotation and, you know, theory, Frankie Montas is back. Sean Minaya is back. Mike fires is a really good veteran. Um, But again, just having extra arms, you know, I think AJ puck will play a role for the A's this year, whether that's a true starter, whether that's a starter bullpen hybrid, um, he's got the stuff to dominate no matter where you put him, and I think the opportunity is more likely to be there this year.
1: Yeah, I would mention one more player. I, I like Kibum too quite a bit. I like you know, players who can hit control the zone and play a, a skill and field position, so I really like him. Um, Sam Hilliard with the Rockies, I would mention him too. Uh, the addition of the DH plus Ian Desmond opting out gives him a window that he can um, seize more playing time. The obstacle for him is that, you know, the Rockies outfield is almost entirely left-handed. So they're not in you know, dire need of another left-handed hitter. But given his age and, and track record, I think he's somebody who could pop this year.
0: Yeah, he's someone I first saw in the California League All-Star game in Vesalia a few years ago. And you just saw a nice left-handed swing, easy power. Um, he's a little vulnerable to same-side pitching. But there's no reason this guy can't go up and, and do some good things for you against right-handed pitchers. He's very athletic. He played center field primarily after his call-up last year. He can play left. He can play right. I mean, a left-handed power bat who can play all three outfield positions, that's valuable, and they will find room for you. And as you said, I mean, there's some opportunity there potentially this year, although, again, with all the left-handed bats the Rockies have in their outfield, he's going to have to beat those guys out. But I don't think it's far-fetched to see him do that. And you're right. That is a guy that I think could have a chance to really pop this year if the stars align.
1: Yeah, and a side note, you know, the uh, writers are going to have the postseason awards, it sounds like, um, but they're not going to, and they'll they'll be presented as AL and NL. But, you know, the teams are really playing more East, Central, West schedules. I think that's an interesting wrinkle to this season. How, you know, in the way the, the prospects are distributed, these rookies, you have Joe Adele in the West and Luis Robert of the White Sox in the Central, Nate Pearson in the East. And then you have kind of a similar a uh, deal in the National League with Lux in the West and Dylan Carlson of the Cardinals in the Central and Keyboom in the East. So there you go. There's there's our preseason picks for East, Central, West Rookies of the Year.
0: <laughs> Write them down, we'll circle back on them. And Matt, every year in top rookies that we expect for the most part do hit. We've seen the guys who are the top, 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 creme de la creme, if you will, really do deliver more often than not. But every year there's also guys who are, below that stratum, if you will, that come up and show, yeah, these are really, really good players. Last year, for example, we saw a guy like Luis Arias with the Twins who had always hit. He'd been hurt the year before. So again, he was known. He was a a Twins top 30 prospect a couple years in a row, but was never a top, top, top guy. Came out and hit 334 last year in a really, really impressive rookie debut. Who are some rookies that you think are like that this year that just given all the circumstances, given everything that's going on, have a chance to get some playing time, and then if and when they get it, perform.
1: Yeah, I'm a big believer in fantasy leagues and trying to find this marginal value with some of these typically a little more experienced, a little more older prospects who are ready to step into the major leagues. You know, I think people, you know, people in fantasy leagues are very familiar with the stars. There's really pretty much agreement on who's, who's good and who's not. But some of these low-key prospects can really help help your fantasy team. So I've identified five of them. Um, Number one, I'd go with Austin Allen, the A's catcher. There's, um, you know, being catcher eligible and somebody who can hit makes him a very, uh, potentially a valuable fantasy asset. Left-handed hitter. Some, some opportunity there for playing time. You know, you're familiar with Allen from the, the Padres in particular.
0: And the guy can hit. That's always been the thing with him. He can legitimately, genuinely hit. There's a lot of power there. There's a lot of ability to get on base. Uh, this is someone that the question was just about how much can he really catch? Can you put him out there two days a week? Is it really a one day a week type of deal, or should he even just move to first base? And I think moving to the American League, he was part of the trade. The Padres sent him and eventually Buddy Reed. Over to Oakland in exchange for Jerks and Profar, I thought was a great trade for him going to an American League team where he could get some DH at-bats. But you look at the A's catching situation right now, he's the backup to Sean Murphy. And Sean Mm -hmm. Murphy is an incredibly talented catcher. He's also had a very difficult time staying healthy throughout his career. He was bothered by knee issues last year. He had off-season knee surgery. He's broken both hammock bones. Again, an incredible talent there's just not a lot of track record of him staying healthy. So I think you, you look at that and you say between that and the DH, Austin Allen has a chance to get significant at-bats in Oakland this year and provide really a lot of value both in real baseball and from a fantasy perspective.
1: Yeah. Like the beauty with the fantasy thing is you can he can be playing first base in DH, but as long as he gets like 10 to 20 games <laughs> a catcher, you're gold. <laughs> Left, left-handed hitter. Yeah. Okay, so him. He'd be at the top of my list. I also like the Angels' Patrick Sandoval, the left-hander who came up last year. Uh, There's a couple of reasons why I like him. Um, His off-speed stuff is incredible. Great changeup, The breaking ball played in the major leagues. Uh, The fastball did not quite as well, so he's got got a lot of work to do on the fastball. But uh, with the Angels going to a six-man rotation, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for a talented pitcher like Sandoval. So I would look at him as like your sixth starter, like a depth guy for your fantasy team.
0: He's a player that a lot of people really, really like. I remember once he got to the Angels organization, talking to scouts, they kept saying, I can't believe they got this guy from Martin Maldonado. I mean, this is a legit Mm -hmm. starting pitcher for a guy who's a very talented receiver as a backup catcher, but you don't see a whole lot of good, young, left-handed starters being traded for backup catchers on short deals. Really, really impressive. His fastball actually ticked up velocity-wise command needs some work he also gets very animated on the mound and sometimes that's to his detriment but you're right the stuff is there he got a taste of the majors last year a lot of people thought he was much better than Jose Suarez who's a higher ranked prospect Mm -hmm. both statistically he was but also just watching him visibly he looked like the better pitcher in the majors and again I go back to opportunity you look at Julio Tehran has been held out so far although reportedly he might be returning soon but look, Shohei Otani and Griffin Canning are coming off of elbow injuries. They're expected to be healthy, but you don't know how long it's going to last. Elbows are always very, very tricky. And Andrew Heaney has had a very tough time staying healthy his entire career as well. There's a very real chance Patrick Sandoval is going to get a lot of innings. Um, again, just look at the injury track record of some of the guys around him and the fact he was probably going to be part of the rotation anyway. You feel really, really good about the opportunity. And like you said, after that first taste last year, there's a lot of expectation that He'll take that. He'll learn from it. He'll apply it forward, and should settle into being a, a pretty strong starting pitcher for a team with postseason aspirations.
1: Yeah, um, and then my third guy is another left-hander who um, was was acquired in a trade. It's um, Scott Moss of the Indians. Uh, he was acquired last summer. This seems like a lifetime ago, but he pitched well for the Indians in the Indians farm system down the stretch. Uh, he's got an out-pitched changeup, um, and the Indians say they like. Um, the velocity growth he's shown on his fastball hand slider. So there's, there's three-pitch potential here. You know, we're not talking ace material, but given Cleveland's track record with developing pitchers at the major league level, I'm in. I'm in on Scott Moss.
0: You know, it's funny. He was kind of the uh, afterthought, if you will, to that three-team trade last year in which Trevor Bauer went to Cincinnati, Yasiel Puig went to Cleveland, Fred Milraeis so and Logan Allen went to Cleveland as well, Taylor Tramell went to San Diego. Those were the big pieces, and Scott Moss was one of the guys who was considered kind of an afterthought, but you're right. Talking to some scouts, especially as we got through the offseason for the prospect handbook, there was a sense that there's something there that is definitely worth betting on, and as you mentioned, with the Indians and their pitcher development, you're going to bet on him. Um, And again, I go back to, okay, is the opportunity going to be there? And, And it very well could. Again, we've seen Mike Clevenger deal with injuries. I do think you look at, again, where he's at in his development, kind of a guy that the reports are all good, It's just not getting a ton of love for it, and the opportunity, you're right. That is someone that you could absolutely see, you know, stepping into the Indians rotation and, and doing some good things. Again, they have a lot of options. Aaron Savali and Zach Plesac came up last year. Adam is still around. He's more expensive as as a long reliever right now, but we could certainly see him get some innings as a starter. Logan Allen's still around yeah and I do think that does Moss have the stuff to beat those guys out and could the opportunity present itself I do think that is a solid pick for sure when you're looking at under the radar guys
1: yeah um and then I would go I'd also take a look at Jared Oliva uh, the pirate system pretty good year at double a last year uh hit for average stole some bases uh right-handed hitter You know, the the ceiling isn't super high on him because he has not demonstrated power to this point. Um, But there's been encouraging signs between the Eastern League and the Arizona Fall League. And in fantasy, those stolen bases are valuable. So if Oliva does carve out some time and work his way up the lineup, you know, to bat toward the top, he he might be able to contribute a few stolen bases.
0: And again, you look at the Pirates rebuilding club. They want to get their young guys a lot of time and also the outfield. I mean, Brian Reynolds is going to be one of their starting outfielders. We know that beyond him right now. I mean, Gregory Polanco, we'll see how much time he gets in the outfield, how much time he's a DH, but then you're also looking at Guillermo Heredia and Gerard Dyson who are solid players who do some good things. They're definitely really good defensively, but Are those insurmountable veterans that if Jared Oliva really, really shows something, they're going to not have a spot for him? Probably not. And that's where, again, especially for this team and where they are, I think especially if Gerard Dyson and Guillermo Heredia show some good things early, that makes them trade chips at the August 31st deadline as opposed to guys they're going to hang on to throughout the extent of this rebuild.
1: Yeah, and one thing I focused on with all these is to make sure they were you know, older, so that's why they're a little underrated, all these guys, you know, they're, they're in that 24, 25, 26 range. So, like, I view that as as a positive for, for this type of exercise because it, they are more likely to be major league ready, and that, that is true with Oliva, who's 24. Um, and then the last guy I would I would alert your attention to would be um, a, the Cuban right-hander, uh, Ronald Bolaños of the Padre system. Um, high spin breaking ball. He really showed me by how he handled Amarillo last year. That's like a hitter's paradise, but Bolaño's pitched well there, and that, to me, exhibits some mental toughness on his part.
0: Yeah, the Padres gave him a couple million dollars uh, to sign out of Cuba back during their international signing spree in 2016-2017, and jumped all the way from high Class A to the majors last year. I mean, people saw him at Lake Elsinore was like, yeah, this stuff is way, way, way too good to be here. It was a repeat year. He had been there the year before, too. It's a lot of loud stuff, and he can really dial it up and down a little bit. He'll, he'll get his fastball anywhere from 89 to 98, but he'll come at you at 94, 96 and sit there when he really reaches back. It's just a matter of control with him. Most people have said they think he's a reliever, but again, he got three starts for the Potters last year. He struck out uh, just under a batter an in inning. I mean, there is swing and miss stuff there. I do see is opening more as a depth option, but... You're right. Again, this is such an odd season where we're going to see pitchers cycling in and out probably even more than we normally do. The injury risk for pitchers is elevated. And then again, with the pandemic and not really knowing how everything's going to go, obviously we all hope for the best, but just all those factors, it makes you want to have as much depth as possible, even more than, than a standard team and yeah there's there's certainly no question that Bolognos has a chance to get some innings for the Padres this year, depending on what role that is It's going to depend on what happens in front of him. but yeah, if you want to take a a right hander who jumped from high to the majors flashes you know ninety eight with some really good spin, and yeah, that's definitely a guy worth taking a shot on
1: yeah, there's also a candidate to be this sort of bridge pitcher we talked about last time, where you can kind of ease him in in a middle relief low to middle leverage type of role and let him get his feet wet
0: yeah and again the potters have a couple guys who, who could fill that they're going to be one of the more interesting teams just because they have so many of these young talented hard throwing pitchers especially and you know how they want to utilize all of them it is going to be fascinating and especially for a team that is going to try to contend this year um you know how much do you just lean on the vets and put them in the roles that you know they're they're good in and how much you know experimentation do you do with some of these young guys who you know may not be comfortable or, or experienced in other roles. I, I think that's going to be one of the interesting dynamics for them this year, and we'll see how it all plays out. Matt, I, through this first week of camp, where are you in terms of how you assess the likelihood of the season being played and ultimately all these young guys getting the shot to do this? Because if the season shuts down early, it's all kind of moot.
1: I am optimistic there will be a season. Uh, I would say 75 to 80%. In- uh, optimistic. Uh, I think the reason is is because the, the risk-reward makes a lot of sense for the young players. So I think there will be a lot of players motivated to assume the risk to to secure that major league paycheck. So I think there will be, even if we don't see all the A-level stars and veterans that we are accustomed to seeing,
0: Again, there's a lot of motivation for a season to be played, both from a financial perspective, major league baseball, but also for so many coaches and scouts and front office employees whose jobs really depend on a season being played. Uh, There is a lot of motivation to get a season in and a full postseason in. The first round of intake testing, the numbers were initially revealed to be not complete, but ESPN reported yesterday the complete results of the intake testing showed a 1.8% positive rate. Compare that to the NBA when their first round of mandatory testing wrapped up, it was 5.3%. So from that perspective, Major League Baseball, the the testing rate was low at a starting point that is encouraging. And now the key is maintaining that or or hopefully lowering it. Obviously, we do not want to see any kind of spike for both baseball reasons and just reasons of humanity. Uh, (laughs) I I think they're starting at a low number in terms of that 1.8%. And Now it's just about following the protocols and making sure that doesn't
1: spike. Yeah. And it it gives us something to build off of too. Like this is, this is where we can improve and this is how we do it.
0: Absolutely. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. Matt, thank you so much for providing your insight today on, on some of the rookies and young players you think have a chance to potentially pop this year, both from a real life baseball perspective and a fantasy perspective. We appreciate your expertise as always. Thank you, Kyle. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening I would love to hear from you. For Matt Eddy, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, everybody.